This is episode number 233 with Andy Mant. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Just a quick little reminder that if you want to listen to my episodes one day earlier than they are released anywhere else, you have to download the app Himalaya and follow my show. Himalaya is free, super easy to use, and has every podcast you can think of. I love that you can leave comments under each episode and even create episode playlists. So make sure you check it out today. Andy Mant is the founder and CEO of Blue Blocks, a company specializing in evidence-based advanced light filtering eyewear. Andy started Blue Blocks after becoming dissatisfied with the quality and standard of blue light blocking glasses available, and so set out to design lenses that match the evidence in the academic literature. He was born in the UK and moved to Australia in 2011. And after moving and about two years after arriving, Andy gained a lot of weight and became chronically fatigued and lacked energy. Now, the traditional dietary approaches only worked to a certain degree. And after stumbling across light and health, Andy forged a passion and niche understanding of all things light related to health. Today, Andy is a leading figure in managing light to improve health and well-being. And in today's episode, we chat about his story from poor health to thriving and why he started Blue Blocks. What is blue light and the difference between good and toxic blue light? There is a difference, which is really important to know. The common sources of blue light we're exposed to every day and what we can do about it. How blue light can impact your health, sleep, energy levels, hormones, and more. How to mitigate the damage caused by blue light and the hacks you can implement today. The truth about thyroid issues why light needs to be part of your holistic wellness puzzle, what to do if you're a shift worker, what working at the Moulin Rouge did to my health, and I've never talked about this publicly, so I'm so excited to share this with you guys, the number one book he would put in the school curriculum to transform lives, his powerful morning routine for a productive day, plus so much more. And for everything that Andy and I mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. Just head on over to melissarambrosini.com forward slash 233. But before we dive into this very important episode, I want to read the review of the week. And this week, it is a five-star review from Cass Maynard, and it's titled So Much Love and Gratitude. And Cass says, my boyfriend and I absolutely love listening to your podcast together on road trips. It is so educational and inspiring. We always take something away from each and every one of them. Sending you so much love and gratitude for sharing so much wellness goodness. 
Thank you, Cass. That is so lovely. I'm so grateful. And if you want to be the review of the week for next week, all you got to do is head on over to iTunes and leave me that five-star review right now. And without further ado, let's bring on the epic Andy Matt. Welcome, Andy. I'm so excited to have you on the show. But before we dive in, can you please tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? <laughs> yeah, I'm um, I'm a bit of a funny one with breakfast. So I'm uh, very much of the idea of, of natural food. So I actually had steak this morning before we uh, spoke and some nice capsicum and sort of fried up with a little bit of little bit of spice mix and so not your usual breakfast, Melissa. <laughs> well, whatever floats your boat. <laughs> yeah. No, it was good though. It was good, but I appreciate, uh, yeah, other people probably have their bacon and eggs, which is also pretty decent. Yeah. So I'm so excited to have you on the show because before we got rolling, we started chatting about, you know, my episode with Jack Cruz and, and how we can go a little bit deeper today and really help people have some more strategies and tips and tricks and tools to really take their health to the next level. But before we dive into that, can you tell us your story and tell us how you got to where you are today, how Blue Blocks came about? Like, where did it all begin for you? Yeah, ab- absolutely. So as, as everyone can probably tell by my accent, even though I'm in Australia and have been for the last decade, very much British. So about 10 years ago, 12 years ago, I was living in the UK and I was your sort of standard run-of-the-mill person that knew nothing about health or, or wellness. And it got to a point where my health really deteriorated. And I had things like, you know, kidney stones, for instance, when I was in my mid-20s and appendicitis and things that really you shouldn't be getting until, you know, you're a lot older. And I, I went down a rabbit hole and started to look at nutrition and exercise. I started going to the gym and and eating what I thought was right. And, you know, eventually I I just found that it just wasn't working for me. And then I discovered a lot of information on on light. I discovered Jack Cruz about 10 years ago and a few other people as well. Bill Lagacos is another really good resource on, on circadian biology. And I was starting to piece things together thinking like, why do so many people diet and, and fail? And is there something more to this? And that um, sent me down the path and, and a deep dive into, into looking at light and how to manage light for, for optimal health. And I felt that from the research I was doing, that I couldn't get better in the same environment that I got sick in, which was, which was the UK for me. I found that the, the light environment there wasn't very good. It was a lot of working during the day in artificial light because we rarely see the sun in the UK, as I'm, I'm sure you've heard. So I made a big decision to move somewhere sunnier, and it just so happened to be Australia. Woohoo! <laughs> yep, so here I am. I'm in Perth on the West Coast, so a little bit isolated from the rest of you guys, but it's, it's great. What happened was I started to clean up my light hygiene, okay? So I, I was still exercising, and I was still, you know, stripping back my diet and keeping very healthy in that way, because there's never one sort of size fits all, one thing that's going to change everything. There's always a multitude of different factors. So for instance, I would, you know, be outdoors a lot. I'd be watching the, the sunrise and the sunset and I'd be looking at blocking artificial light after, after dark and managing light during the evenings as well. And I just, after that, just started to feel like I had more and more energy and that energy translated into having more motivation to actually 
do the things that I wanted to do, like exercise and hit my goals where I was working, feel really motivated about eating well, and, and ultimately it led me to, to get into really good shape within a couple of years. And what sort of led me to found my company, Blue Blocks, which is, is actually a blue blocking eyewear company, is that when I started to look at the blue light glasses that were available, which are used during the day to filter some blue light to stop digital eye strain and macular degeneration, but most importantly, to be worn after dark to help with sleep and, and hormone resetting and, and secretion optimally. I found that when I looked at the academic literature and some of the things that Jack and Bill were saying about light, it, it didn't add up. And when we tested sort of other brands of blue light glasses, they weren't actually blocking what the literature said you should block or filter. So we actually decided to look into this a little bit further, which led us to find that everyone, every other company seemed to buy these glasses in from China and then just sell them as this sort of generic fix, not knowing anything about the science. So we decided to found Blue Blocks as an evidence-based and evidence-backed company that would educate people on I guess, how to manage your light environment for optimal health, wellness, and hormones, but also create products here in Australia, so not outsourced anywhere overseas, so we could have complete control over the manufacturing process and the science that is going into these lenses. And, you know, we, we, we sort of dreamed maybe we would, you know, touch, touch the lives of a, of a few people, but um, it's just skyrocketed. And, and there seems to be an appetite now for people to steer away from cheap, generic blue light sort of management and actually go to companies that can help educate and supply the the right tools to, to get healthy. Mm, awesome. So for someone listening who's like, blue light, what the hell is this guy talking about? Can you chat to us about what blue light is and why it's both good and bad? And besides our phones and our computers, what are the types of blue light that we are commonly exposed to? Yeah, absolutely. That's a good question. And what I don't want to do in this chat with you, Melissa, is actually demonize blue light because there's, you know, you've got to put context into everything with science and, and, and lifestyle. And blue light during the day from a natural source like the sun is actually very optimal for us. So in the mornings, when we go outside, we wake up and, and we're exposed to light. The blue light in the sun actually tells our body that it's morning and it's uh, we need to be alert and we need to be awake and we secrete specific hormones at that time of the day such as cortisol some people misinterpret that and context applies again here as the stress hormone but it's very important early in the day to get you you know jump start you basically in, into your day and blue light also in in the mornings from the sun creates something called serotonin which is later used to produce melatonin for sleep i can talk about that a little bit more later and also dopamine, which is your, your happy hormone, you know, it makes you feel happy and, you know, it keeps you very well balanced and, and feeling, you know, really good about yourself. Now, the problem lies here in artificial light. Okay. So in the sun, it's a very balanced spectrum of lights. You've got your, your violets, your blues, yellows, reds, oranges. Think of a rainbow. So when it rains in the sun, you can see all the colors that the sun is emitting. Now, if you did that same test with a light bulb, so an LED or fluorescent light that's, say, in your house, maybe in an LED backlit digital device such as your smartphone, your laptop computer, in maybe car headlights, street lamps, you know, when you open your fridge, there's a light in there, or appliances. TVs. TVs, exactly that. Appliances like dishwasher will have lights on. 
when you actually test the light that's emitted from all of those devices, it doesn't come close to matching the sun. So it's very, very high in the blue range, but very, very low in the red range. Now, why that's so important during the day and also at night as well to some some extent is that blue, even in the sun, causes damage to the cells in the eyes, okay? Now, nature is very, very clever, Melissa. It always puts an antidote to to the poison. Now, the good side of blue is obviously to to make you feel energetic and jumpstart the day, but it's damaging cells in your eyes. Now, red light, as a contrast, is actually a restorative frequency of light, and it's in very much in balance with blue in the sun. So any cell damage that's caused during the day from the blue light in the sun is actually repaired and restored through the red light that's in that same light source. Now, the difference with artificial light is it contains next to no restorative red light. So we're exposing ourselves to blue light during the day from maybe we're sat in the office working on our computer, maybe we're addicted to our phones and are scrolling through that, or maybe we're watching a lot of TV. And even if we're not doing any of those and we're sitting under artificial blue light, we're causing cell damage in our eyes, but we're not actually giving the antidote to that damage, which is the red light. So that's where there's a big problem during the day. And this is why we're seeing things like macular degeneration and digital eye strain, migraine headaches and and tension headaches on the increase because these lights are not created equal. Now, blue light also has another issue after dark. So I mentioned a few minutes ago that when we're actually outside during the day, our body starts creating serotonin. And later on in the evening, serotonin and something called tryptophan actually mix together and they form something called melatonin. Okay. Now, melatonin is number one is, is the sleep hormone and two is a powerful antioxidant. Now, the reaction between tryptophan and serotonin can only happen in the absence of blue and green light. So in basically in physiological darkness. So what I mean by physiological darkness is our ancestors would have had access to fire. So they would have had access to orange, red, and and yellow light after dark. Whereas we're actually exposing ourselves to blue and green light after dark because of all those devices, TV, and lights that I've mentioned. So this down-regulates the production of melatonin, which makes it harder for us to fall asleep, doesn't give us the quality of REM and restorative deep sleep that we need, and actually causes us to feel perpetually tired, basically, because we're waking up, you know, grouchy, and it's disrupting something called our circadian rhythms. So a circadian rhythm is, is in essence, found in every cell in our body, Melissa. So what this does is this is our timekeeping device within our body, and it has to mimic the rotation of the earth. So circadian is Latin, okay? So circa means about, and dian means day, so about a day. Now, what that happens is it it controls our hormone sleep and behavior. So if we expose ourselves to light at the wrong times of the day, we actually disentrain that clock and we start basically increasing hormone production or stopping hormone production when it should be happening. And a big example of this is cortisol. So I mentioned earlier that cortisol is good in the morning and during the day because it's what keeps us awake and alert. But after dark, if we're exposed to blue light again, cortisol is going to remain high. We're going to feel, you know, stress. We're not going to be able to wind down to sleep. Now, if this happens over a long period of time, like a few years, cortisol levels can get chronically high, which can lead to things like anxiety, stress, depression, and feelings of low mood. So, you know, you can, you can see there just in a very basic nutshell that if 
we don't control our circadian rhythms, which are governed by light management, we're actually going to affect our general well-being. And it can lead to very, you know, unpleasant situations like stress and anxiety and depression down the line. Yeah, it's not good, is it? No, definitely not. And I think you've got to look at ways of managing it. You know, some of the more extreme sort of people involved in biohacking will, I guess, look at, you know, going completely off grid, which, you know, isn't practical for many people. So we've got to look at ways at basically managing our our light environment to, you know, allow for, for optimal hormones. So, you know, we need to make sure that after the sun sets in the evening, for instance, that we're not exposing ourselves at all to any blue and and some of the green light in the spectrum. Otherwise, we're going to disentrain our circadian rhythms. So what we need to do is, you know, one, a couple of good hacks that I can share with with your listeners that I've done is I took myself off, off to Bunnings and I bought myself some red light bulbs, which I replaced in a few of the lamps in, in the house. And they don't emit any blue light, which is great. Is that is that the same as LED? Do LED emit blue light? Yeah. So um, the LED lights that are generally in your house may look like yellow when you put them in or white, but they have extremely high frequencies of blue within them. So what we mean by that is that the color that makes up the the color that they're basically being given out is multiple different colors, but the blue is the most intense within those LED lights. Now, you can use LED lights that are red, there's obviously an issue with flicker on on those types of light, but that's probably a different conversation. But initially, you want to be eliminating the blue. And by doing that, you need to buy bulbs that are basically red. And I tried all different ones, Melissa. I tried incandescent, which are very hard to get, but you know, seem to be the best for you. But they didn't last very long. They lasted maybe about a week at a time in, in, in my lamps. So that wasn't very practical from a, a financial point of view. But what I found was halogen lights from Bunnings were, were the best and they lasted for many hours and they weren't LED and they only emitted red light. So you just have this calming sort of, I guess, light environment after dark, which was, which was really good. And a- another obviously very important hack is, is making sure that no blue light is passing through your eyes. So for instance, like we mentioned earlier, your phone, your TV, et cetera or your laptop. So after dark, you need to be wearing blue light blocking glasses. Um, and I know that, you know, I alluded to the fact earlier that there's a lot of brands out there that, that I guess offer this type of, of lens, but not to the same effect that it blocks 100% of, of blue and green light after dark, like, like the brand that we've, um, that we've created. You know, when you actually look at the literature, even a small amount of blue light hitting your eyes after dark is enough to disentrain your clock. We're not talking about sort of sitting around for a couple of hours to, to build up this this issue. Like if you expose yourself to, you know, a few seconds of blue light after dark, then you're going to have and an experience a lot of these issues of, you know, elevated cortisol and, and disrupted sleep. So you've got to ensure that any blue light blocking glasses that you wear after dark are, um, you know, blocking 100% of the blue light and also most of the green spectrum as well, because that also damages and, and affects the production of, of melatonin. So yeah, you just got to make sure that, you know, your light hygiene is managed, I guess, after dark. And, you know, that brings us back as well during the day. So, you know, you're, there's some hacks here to improve your, your light management during the day as well. And, you know, a lot of us working offices these days where you've got your, your computer screens and, and very nasty fluorescent lights above your head. 
I get a lot of people actually come to me that work in hospitals. And ironically, it's some of the worst lighting known to man in, in these places. And it's you know surprising how some people can get well in these places when you actually look at how sort of circadian disruptive these these lights are. And you know, you don't want to be blocking blue light during the day. You want to be filtering it down. So as we mentioned earlier, the light in LED and fluorescent lighting is very high in blue, but we still need blue to function, just not as much as basically is in those lights. So you need to be, you know, dimming the, I guess, the lux, which is the light intensity on your computer monitors. Try if you can. I, I did this in my office when I was working. I had a light above my head and I um, asked building management, management to remove that light because I didn't want it shining directly down on me. You know, I used to suffer from really chronic migraine headaches. And I tell you what, as soon as they removed that light, they got a lot better from it actually shining on my head. So you could, there's other hacks you can do as well. Like I have a salt lamp next to my um, computer as well for during the day, which brings down, you know, balances out the, the blue. There's a free program called Flux that you can put on your computer screen that takes a lot of the blue light out. But I guess a lot of the, I guess a lot of the misconception about some of these programs you can put on your digital devices, I guess like night shift mode for your, your iPhone as well, is that, you know, these are great hacks for during the day. But as I was, as I was alluding to earlier, during the evening, you need to completely block the blue and the green and, and those apps just don't hack it. So you've got to ensure that, you know, you're wearing eye protection as well. And, you know, it would be sort of aloof of me really not to explain I guess, how circadian rhythms are entrained. So our, our bodies are basically controlled by a central clock, okay? So it's located in the brain, so in the suprachiasmatic nucleus. And this is what receives light signals through the eye that tell us basically what time of the day it is. So when light goes through your eyes, whether it be sunlight or artificial light, it's going to tell your body that it's daytime, certain hormones are secreted, like, like I said earlier, like your cortisol, etc. But when after dark, you then get the same blue light going through your eyes, it's sending the same message to your brain that it's daytime. So, you know, we're, we're living in this environment where our brains feel like it's daytime all the time. And we're living in the absence of darkness. So it's become very clear from, you know, looking through the academic literature and speaking to some of these leading minds like Jack Cruz in, in the sort of alternative health space that, you know, light is, is absolutely essential for optimal health and wellness. And this is where, unfortunately, you know, other sectors of the health industry, like, you know, fitness or, or food seem to think it's just one thing, but it's actually a combination of food, exercise, light, and, you know, EMFs as well, which I know you're, you're fairly passionate about on, on the 5G sort of side of things. So, you know, we've, we've just got to be very cognizant to the fact that, you know, light plays a massive role in our health and wellness. Oh, absolutely. It's a holistic puzzle. You know, it's not just about what you eat. It's not just how much you move your body. It's so important that we take into consideration every single factor. And light is another piece of this holistic puzzle. And I just wanted to mention, my mum is a nurse. Yeah. And for she's been a nurse since she was like 20. She's now 60, so 40 years. And she started out as a night duty nurse. And she has not slept the whole night in 40 years. She has insomnia. She is up sometimes at three or, you know, four in the morning. She, you know, her sleep is all over the place. And 
I can't help but think that maybe that has had an effect on her. And it's just so interesting. It's just something that we need to think about. It's another piece of the holistic wellness puzzle that we need to think about. And for me, you know, you're you're telling us all these hacks. So changing the lights in your home, wearing the glasses, getting flux on your computer, which I've done, and turning my phone on night mode. My phone is always on night mode, even during the day. The only time I turn it off is when I'm you know, wanting to see what an image looks like and if I need to like brighten the image or something like that to actually see what the actual image looks like. And then, you know, the salt lamp. So everything that you mentioned, I was like, yes, tick, 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 tick. I've I've done all of those things. And we were recently away. We were on a retreat with some friends from our team. And it was interesting because they would want to turn all the lights on at night. And I'm like, no, 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 like we've got to leave all the lights down. And these were you know, blue lights at night, even though I had my glasses on, it instantly affected me. And I don't know whether it's in my mind or whether it actually was affecting me, but I'm so sensitive to it now. It's almost like, oh, whoa, okay, we need to turn the lights down a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, at night for us, we put our glasses on. It is so deeply ingrained in us now like we don't even think about it yeah as soon as it as soon as it gets dark like one of us will walk into our bedroom and grab both pairs of glasses and then come out and give the other person their glasses and we just put them on we don't even think about it you know we, if we watch something we'll watch them with our glasses on like it doesn't affect us but then also we have you know one light on in our whole house like we don't have all the lights on And then as soon as we're finished eating and cleaning up, we turn that light off and wear our glasses until we go to bed. And I can't tell you how much of a difference this has made for me. I am an epic sleeper. Like I go to bed, I fall asleep, you know, within probably 10 minutes, I sleep all the way through and I wake with the sun. And I have never had deep restorative sleep like I do now. And I can't help but think that it's a combination of everything that I'm doing. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And it's, it's, it's quite reassuring to hear that you do exactly what myself and my wife do. You know, we, we, we go and get each other our glasses before the, uh, or just after the sun sets and then we wear them. And, you know, on the, on the odd night where we're maybe out and we've forgotten our glasses, we, we actually feel how intense the, the light mm. actually is from artificial sources. It's so bad. But you touched on a couple of really good points I wanted to sort of dive into. And, and the two were, were night shift work. And, and the second one was about how you felt with the lights on, you know, at, at that retreat. So I'll start with that one. And it's, it's actually quite interesting that, that, that there's an opsin that's very light sensitive in our bodies. Okay. And it's about sort of 30 or 40 years ago, they discovered that this opsin, it's called melanopsin. Okay. And it was found in very high concentrations in, in the eye. And what that does is that's a photoreceptor. So it helps the translation of light messages going through the eye and then into the, the master clock to give us basically the instructions of, is it day? Is it night? What hormones to release? Now, about two years ago, it was December 2017. So probably actually about 18 months ago. They actually discovered that this opsin was actually present in our skin and fat cells in smaller quantities than the eye. So what, what this study actually concluded was that our sensitivity to light 
doesn't actually 100% sit in the eye. Our skin can actually detect the type of light that's on as well. And this is why, like, you know, there's, there's studies that come out many years ago that showed that, you know, blind people still have circadian rhythms despite not being able to see. And, um, you know, they did experiments where they blindfolded people and shone light on the back of their knees and it still disrupted melatonin. So, you know, it's, it's so fascinating that this is, you know, science that won't be in the mainstream probably for about a decade, but is, is, in academic studies, when you actually go and research and type it into Google Scholar, you can bring up these, these peer-reviewed studies that have shown this. So it's, it's important for two factors. And the first is, if you're doing all these you know, hacks, but you're still exposing your, your skin to blue light a lot of the time after dark, you're still not going to have that optimal sort of situation that you want to be in with, with, with your general wellness and I guess the melatonin secretion. Now, I don't want to scare everyone by saying that, you know, you've got to be covering up every inch of your skin because that would be sort of remiss of me to say so. You know, the eye is where the, the main issue is, but there is still an effect on your hormones from, from the light hitting your skin. Now, that really brings me on to another point, which is a hormonal disorder that's actually affecting a lot of a lot more women than it is men and that's thyroid problems okay now the thyroid is very active during the day and what causes the thyroid to be active is concentration of i guess blue and and ultraviolet lights from from outside during the day so when you're outside you know in nature you're, you're stimulating that thyroid it's giving you the energy you need to basically complete your day and and feel really good and and well in yourself but when the thyroid is exposed to to blue light chronically, so during the day and during the night when you get home and you're watching your TV, or during the day when you're sat very close to a monitor screen, the thyroid gland is actually only a, a few millimeters beneath the surface of the skin and also contains melanopsin receptors in them as well. So if you think about it, the way I guess a hormone becomes resistant is from the chronic secretion of the hormone. So think of insulin and insulin resistance. You know, people, you know, eat a, a lot of carbohydrates, you know, the, the the refined stuff, it'll produce insulin, eventually they'll eat more and it will produce more and then eventually they become resistant. And the same thing happens when light bombards the thyroid, that it's constantly producing its T cells, which is great for the short term. But then in the long term, what's happening is that um, we're becoming resistant to producing these types of T cells, or we're just producing far too many in our body and developing things like, you know, thyroid issues, hyperthyroidism, um, Hashimoto's is on the rise. And it seems to affect women um, a lot more than men. And I know that women statistically have a harder time sleeping than men as well, which makes it all the more important to manage your light environment. So the thyroid needs both light and darkness. It needs light to stimulate and it needs darkness to rest and repair. And the fact that we're not allowing our thyroid to rest and repair is causing many, many issues, especially for women. And another theory that sort of I personally had, and this is by no way backed by the scientific li- literature, just to um, caveat this, is that I think another reason why hyperthyroidism and thyroid issues are on the rise in, in women more than men is because of, I guess, corporate attire. I think that a lot of people that work in the office that are men will wear shirts, which will be buttoned up. They're, they're, more often than not wear a tie, which will uh, basically protect and cover the thyroid. And they also, especially these days, have you know very big beards as well, which also provides protections. Whereas women don't have those things and they typically don't wear fully buttoned up shirts. You know, they're 
what they wear is, is very different to men. And that exposes the thyroid even more. So this is another reason why what you're doing, Melissa, is absolutely spot on by having flux night shift mode on your laptop and, and, and smartphone respectively, because you're stopping or reducing a lot of the blue light from those devices from hitting that thyroid and causing any issues for you there. So I thought it would be be good to mention that as well in relation to, to melanopsin um, and also hormonal management. Wow, that I have never heard that before. That is amazing. And it makes so much sense that, you know, men usually have long pants, mm-hmm. a shirt, a tie, and a jacket. And women, you know, it's usually like maybe a three-quarter skirt or dress. And they usually have their arms out or something like that. So there's larger quantities of skin exposed, but also their neck is exposed where their thyroid is. That that makes so much sense. So if you are currently working in an office, maybe you want to wrap a scarf around your neck and cover that up as much as you possibly can until you ask your office to change all of the lights, <laughs> if they will. <laughs> no, it's spot on. And it's funny, I was I was I said the same thing to another person in in on a podcast a few months ago, Lacey Phillips, who I believe you had as, as a guest on, and, and she immediately went out and, and bought a scarf. And I think if, if you actually look at her uh, her social media since I went on her show, it's she's always got a scarf around her neck now. So she was the same as you, a little bit like, wow, I never thought of that. And yeah, it's 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 definitely an easy hack to avoid, but it's it's so bad. Like um, you know, in the office where I used to work, we were having young ladies, you know, in their sort of late twenties, developing you know Hashimoto's, and it's just it's staggering and oh. it's so upsetting. And and you know, when they're going to their doctors, they're be, being put on you know really horrible medications that are just from from my point of view making things worse you know they're they're feeling down low they're feeling um you know they're they're getting a lot of weight gain regardless of what they eat and i i just want to go over and say you know what just just try this but you know a lot of people don't want to listen they they go to their doctors and and believe it's everything is gospel you know a lot of it's good but um you know also you've got to look at look at your environment and look at what made you sick as opposed to i've got a sickness and you know, let's take some pills to try and try and protect against it. So yeah, it's it's sad to to see. Mm, it really is like the hormone and the thyroid issues that are so common, and the autoimmune issues that are just on the rise. It's really sad, and I just want everybody listening to take this light pollution as another piece of this holistic puzzle. Yes, keep exercising, keep nourishing your body, surround yourself with healthy and non-toxic relationships, get outside as much as you can, do work that is meaningful to you, but also look at your exposure to light and toxic light and how you can fix that within your own home and in your office because it will make such a big difference. And I feel like as well in 10 years and 20 years, we're going to see data that is going to just shock us because even 10 years ago, we weren't on our phones as much. You know, we weren't sitting behind our laptops as much. 20 years ago, you know, we didn't even have these smartphones. So I really want to inspire everybody to take some of those hacks and implement them into your home today because it will make such a difference in the long run and it will immediately make you feel different as well, which is just awesome. 
And they're little things that you can do that just make such a difference. I always say it's the little things that you do each day that add up to big results or big consequences. Absolutely. And I think, again, you're really sort of spurring me to go go even deeper into some of these sort of things you mentioned. And, you know, I know a lot of your uh, community and, and I'm the same. And a lot of my community do this as well is, you know, a lot of meditation, mindfulness and, and sort of manifestations. And one of the biggest obstacles to actually you know, being able to clear the mind and manifest what you want is, is you know, being stressed and, and anxious and, and depressed and feeling down. And, you know, light management will put you in a very calm and relaxed state of mind post-sunset where, you know, you can really do a good level of meditation and manifestation and be able to actually realize and manifest what you want as well. So, you know, it's, it's sort of more of a, you know, I've, I've been speaking about it from a health perspective, but from a I guess, a, a manifestation and meditation and more spiritual perspective as well. You know, it's very important to realize that it plays an important factor. I mean, you know, when you're, you know, in the, in the middle of the day under bright artificial lights trying to meditate, you know, how would you meditate compared to sitting in a room with some salt lamps and, you know, some calming music on, you know, you'd feel much better in the latter. So it all, you know, comes down to creating an environment that is, you know, optimal for what you want to achieve. And I think as well, going back to your, your mum and, and the night shift, you know, it's, it's, it's really sad because some of the greatest people that, you know, basically give all their lives to helping others, you know, such as your mum in the hospital, yeah. you know, firemen as well. My dad was a fireman and had to work night shifts as, as well. You know, this is so bad for us from a, I guess, hormonal perspective because, you know, we're basically turning our lives around and becoming, you know, nocturnal rather than diurnal, which is what we are. We're, we're creatures of, of, you know, activity during the day, during the, you know, the, the light and, and we're sedentary and, and sleep during the dark. And, you know, people that work night shifts flip that and that absolutely wreaks havoc to their hormones. You know, we've read multiple study upon study that people that work night shifts are more susceptible to diabetes, to weight gain, to heart attacks. And, you know, this isn't new stuff. This is stuff that's happened and come out sort of 20, 30 years ago. And, it, you know, studies released every month, like showing the, the negative effects. And, you know, those people that are working in those environments and working shift work really are the ones that, you know, number one, should try and get out of it. But, you know, that's not going to be practical, but to really look at their light environment and protect themselves. Like, you know, what I would say to your, your mum, for example, as a case study, um, you know, if I was speaking to, to her and she was still working in that environment would be that, you know, you need to be wearing yellow lens during the night shift. This will take out a hell of a lot of the blue and keep your cortisol levels as low as possible without having them really low that you're not going to feel energetic during the day to also get regular regular breaks away from artificial blue light and in a, a room where there is a lot of red light. So maybe a little Zen area where there'd be a Himalayan salt lamp or maybe a, a near infrared device that you could sort of shine on yourself. I would also say to her that two hours before her shift that she should switch out her blue light reducing glasses, the yellow lenses, and switch over to the blue blocks red sleep plus lenses because this will then prepare her body to think that her nighttime is then coming in two to three hours and then she can, you know, drift off into a, a better sleep. It would never be optimal for night shift workers, unfortunately, but a better sleep for when she sleeps during her day. And I would also give her a tip that, you know, light is 
you know, 90% the entrainer of most of our clocks in our body, but also exercise and food entrain some of our peripheral clocks in some of our cells. So I would say to her, two to three hours before you go, actually probably three to four hours before you want to go to, to, to bed, don't eat anything, don't drink anything. You know, you don't want your body digesting food, which will impair with getting your body into restorative REM and deep sleep. And I would say to her, you know, exercise before your shift starts to give you that energy and that boost for going into your shift, but don't exercise after your shift or during it. So, you know, there's there's definite ways to to, to alleviate some of the the negativity of um, or negative consequences, sorry, of of night shift work. But ultimately, it is a, a very difficult situation for these people to get well if they are sick and working in this environment. You can improve it, but you can never get fully better. You know, it's a a saying from from Jack Cruz that you cannot get better in the same environment that mm. that made you sick. So you know, but but we need these people because they're absolute heroes when it comes to saving lives. And, you know, I just think it's a, an absolute testament that, you know, they, they may not, you know, have the most optimal wellness themselves, but, you know, they're giving that back to people that, that desperately need it. And, you know, one thing that I always like to say, Melissa, as well, is that my company, Blue Blocks, is not just about you know, selling these glasses to people, as I alluded to at the beginning, it's about education. And every podcast I go on and, and or get invited on to, to speak about um, light, I always say that we have a customer service team that deal with, you know, any issues that people may have or, or any qu- general questions. But if people have specific questions about their specific light environment, myself and my wife personally answer all of those emails, because we're the ones that have researched this for 10 years. So we we always put that out there and we, we did it on on Lacey's show and, and kept me busy for quite a while answering the questions. But everyone is very specific in their own light environment. And we want to then receive the messages from these people through our website to say, this is my light environment. What would you recommend I do? And then we can say, well, we recommend this pair of glasses for this time of the day. We you probably wouldn't need all three. Maybe you need to look at investing in some red lights from Bunnings or, you know, maybe you need to watch the sunrise a little bit more. Are you getting enough sunsets? Are you going outside for regular sun breaks to recharge your mitochondria and cell batteries? So we take everyone on an individual approach. We don't charge for that. You know, if people want to come to us and and ask about their light environment, you know, we, we encourage that um, because it's context and everyone is different. Someone that works a night shift is going to get a completely different set of advices from us than someone that works in an office during the day. And someone that works in an office during the day that's male will get different advice to someone that's female. Oh, that is so awesome. So what's the best email? And we can put it in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. If it just goes through to the generic email, which is contact at blueblocks.com, so Blue Blocks is spelled B-L-U-B-L-O-X. Um, but yeah, we'll definitely link to that. And it's on the contact me page of our website as well, just blueblocks.com. Awesome. We'll just give you an in-depth answer and, and work with you to, to basically say, this is how you should manage your light environment. And here are the options available to you. And yeah, we we love doing that. And it's, it's what gets us both out of bed in the morning, apart from the rising sun, of course, you know, this passion to really help everyone make the right decision to get their hormones as optimal as possible and their wellness spot on, you know. That's awesome. Thank you so much. That's very, very generous of you guys. I'm very grateful and we'll link to that in the show notes. So if you do have a question for Andy, you can email it to him. I have to interrupt this conversation to tell you about one of today's podcast sponsors. 
Blue Blocks, the only blue light glasses backed by science. Now, if you follow me on social media, you will know that I love my blue blocking glasses and I wear them every day because they help alleviate digital eye strain, keep your hormones balanced and help you get a deeper, more restorative sleep. They are made in Australia, which means they are very high quality and all their glasses come in readers, prescription and non-prescription. And you can even send in your own frames and have them add their lens technology to your frames. And for every pair purchased, they donate a pair of reading glasses to Restoring Vision, who then gift them to someone in need in the developing countries. How awesome is that? So to get 15% off, head to blueblocks.com. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com and enter the code MELISSA at the checkout. Now let's get back to the conversation. As you were talking, something just clicked within me. I did night shift for an entire year. So I was a dancer at the Moulin Rouge in Paris and we went to work at 6 p.m. and I left at around 2 a.m. And I didn't make this connection until just then when you were talking about night duty that that was the most unhealthy I have ever been in my life. And I didn't make that connection. So that's so interesting. And also on top of that, I was eight kilos heavier than I am now. So I was, I couldn't shift this stubborn weight. I was very inflamed. I was puffy. And of course it, it goes into, you know, it's part of that puzzle. I wasn't eating as well as I am now. Yes, I was exercising, but you know, the environment that I was in, it wasn't as healthy as I am now. But it's so interesting that reflecting back that year was one of the most unhealthiest years I've ever had. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you exactly why and and what light did to you and, and messing up your circadian rhythm. It was three factors. So melatonin, a lot of people you're asked in public, what is melatonin? They'll tell you it's a sleep hormone which is partially correct, okay? So melatonin is the most powerful antioxidant to humans, okay? So the more of it we produce in our bodies, the more it will fight inflammation. And the less of it we produce, the more inflammation will go unchecked and uncured. And what I spoke about earlier was, how do you produce melatonin in the absence of blue light after dark? So the fact that you were working after dark meant less melatonin, which meant less sort of of the antidote to any of the inflammation that was being caused in your body. Now, the Mm. second factor that would have influenced you would have been the lack of quality restorative sleep. So when we sleep, okay, we have three phases, okay? We have light sleep, then we move into something called REM sleep, and then deep sleep. Now, REM and deep sleep are the restorative phases of sleep. So what they do is during the day, Whenever we breathe or run any metabolic process, so breathe, run, walk, type on your computer at work, anything that just makes us function and move during the day is run on something called ATP, okay? So that's adenosine triphosphate for for the geeks like me out there listening. And that's produced in the mitochondria and causes us to move. Now, a byproduct of adenosine triphosphate is adenosine, okay? And it is built up in the brain during the day And it creates something eventually called sleep pressure, okay? So it's the need to sleep as opposed to the circadian side of sleep, which is dark, causes you to sleep. Now, as this waste product builds up, 
you feel sleepy and you want to go to sleep. If you fight that urge through, say, staying up and not going to bed like you were or drinking caffeine, which is a potent adenosine receptor blocker, you don't get the adequate REM and deep sleep that you need to clear out all of that waste product. And that makes you feel very foggy. Okay. And over time, that fogginess, if left unchecked, can turn into things like um, neurological problems, you know, like you could have memory loss and, and things like that. Now, the fact that you weren't obviously getting optimal sleep would have also led to two hormones in your body being left unchecked. And this has been, again, shown very clearly in the literature. The two hormones are leptin and insulin. Okay. So insulin can be changed and secreted in the absence of food. So in the absence of carbohydrates. So the food professionals and the dietitians out there will tell you that insulin is raised by ingesting carbohydrate. Partially correct. Insulin can actually be raised by artificial light exposure as well, been shown in, in many case studies. So the fact that you were you know, working probably under lights and working during the dark under those lights would have led to an impairment in your blood glucose level which would have sent you into that sort of crash sort of cycle where you need to eat and you get cravings for specific specific foods. And because of the insulin levels being so high, you typically would reach for foods that would be perhaps higher in carbohydrate and fat and combination as well, because your body needs that to bring down the, the blood glucose levels and, and crash and bring out the insulin. I just wanted to quickly tell you what I would eat at 2 yes. and 3 a.m. So I would leave the Moulin Rouge and I would get on my way home a Nutella crepe. There you go. <laughs> Absolutely spot on. This is when I had no idea about health. And then soon after that was when I ended up in hospital with my health taken away from me. So uh, that was some nights. Some nights I would just get a Nutella crepe on the way home. Other nights I would go out. I would eat baguettes and cheese and hams and drink rosé until four or five in the morning. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? It's it's not your fault that you did that because it is your hormones telling you that that's what you need. You're extremely fatigued. So what 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 does our hormones tell us it wants? It wants something that's going to give you a quick burst mm. of energy and make sugar. you feel good again. And sugar, yeah, and things like that. So the insulin would have been a problem, but also leptin. And this study came out about six months ago and I shared it with my community and it got a few hundred shares in the end, which was good, was that leptin is also impaired through chronic exposure to artificial light after dark. Now, leptin is a hormone that is released in the fat cells, okay? So when someone gets or puts on more weight and more body fat, leptin levels rise, which tell you to actually be satiated quicker so you don't eat as much and then you lose that fat and get down to the level where nature would like you to be, which isn't ultra skinny or isn't very fat. It's sort of somewhere in the middle. Now, what happens when we are exposed to a lot of artificial light is that we produce a lot of leptin, but also the leptin receptor, which is found in the brain is somehow, and they don't know why, they've just shown that it happens, is somehow blocked. So the leptin that is being produced as we eat more and, and we get fatter isn't working. It's not getting to the point in the brain, which is telling us stop eating. So you find that people that gain weight don't then sort of plateau, they continue to gain more weight because the leptin isn't getting to where it needs to be to actually tell us, stop eating, you need to lose, you know, you need to lose some body fat to get back to where you need to be. So, you know, again, food people seem to think that it's just, you know, 
the fact that either one, we eat too many calories or two, we're eating the wrong types of food when it actually all comes back to light. You know, it doesn't matter what these people would eat. If leptin can't do its job as a hormone and tell our body when to stop eating, we're going to gain weight as whether we're eating, you know, two kilos of steak a day or, you know, 14 baguettes. But ultimately, given the, given the hormones dictate what we eat, if we were, if we're leptin resistant and insulin resistant from, you know, not having the correct light management, we are always going to reach for the crepes with the Nutella, the baguettes, the cheese, the wine, because we're going to feel, you know, like we need that instant energy. And another point I wanted to make as well, Melissa, is dopamine. Okay. So I mentioned it earlier being a really good feel good hormone. And dopamine is, is released in all variety of, of factors in life. So dopamine's released when we look at the sun, dopamine's released when we have sex when we maybe get a really good present from someone. And it's also released from things like drugs. So if you you know, were taking cocaine or something like that, you would release dopamine. And it all works in the same way. If we have too much of that, and, and by too much, I mean chronic, like, you know, like you're, you're constantly exposed to it all day, every day, it will act like any other home hormone and you'll become resistant to it and you'll be constantly looking for that next high. Now, blue light works in this way, okay? And it's been shown, again, in studies, and, and I can link all these. And if people specifically want to study, I've mentioned to message me and I will send it to them and we can talk about it, that blue light actually increases dopamine. So this is why we feel, and a lot of the academic um, literature shows, that people are now getting things like depression at such a young age. We're seeing a lot of teenagers and kids being diagnosed with with depression whereas you know when both you and i were kids melissa we're probably just playing outside and being happy but because they're chronically exposed to you know social media the blue light that is coming out of their phones chronically day and night and they're literally drifting off to sleep scrolling through their phones they're getting this constant dopamine hit all the time and then in search of this next high which obviously doesn't exist for them in in their technology, they're becoming depressed with life. They're becoming disconnected. And, you know, it's, it's so sad to see that technology is ruining, I, I think, the mental health of our, our children and, and that generation. Oh, yeah. It's, it's so sad. It's on the rise and it's incredibly sad. So it makes sense, that dopamine hit. That's why they keep going back for more and more and more. Exactly. So it's something to be really mindful of, guys. If you are feeling, you know, that could be you, then maybe we need to limit the exposure, wear the glasses, do all of the things that we've spoken about to really help limit your exposure to that harmful, toxic blue light. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so many, there's so many free things people can do initially as well, Melissa. Like we've mentioned, the Flux program for your PC is free or your laptop, your, your night shift mode is free for your phone. You know, these are going to go some way to, to helping the situation. It's not going to help you, you know, 100%, but you know, it will give that 30-40% improvement of what your light environment is at the moment and then maybe you'll add in a salt lamp next to your computer and add another 10% bring you up to 40-50%. Maybe you'll change a few lights in your house to red light bulbs and take you up another couple of notches. Maybe you'll put blackout curtains on your um on your bedroom window so you can sleep in total darkness where melatonin can be optimal and, and get another 10% and then maybe you'll look at getting some high quality blue light blocking glasses that will again take you up to that sort of 90% and then maybe you'll get up and watch a sunrise every morning because your circadian rhythms will be so in tune to take you up to 100% and it's really interesting that you know if someone had said to me 10 years ago 
you're going to be a morning person. I would have laughed at them. I used to, I used to go to bed at about 11, 12 o'clock at night. And I used to at weekends wake up at maybe 10, 11 o'clock and just sort of laze around in bed. And I just used to think to myself, how do people get up that early in the morning? Is it like a something you have to train yourself to do? Is it something that you just get in the habit of doing? And I, I never could answer that question until I correctly managed my light environment. And you'll be able to testify to this as well, because you're a, um, a get up with the sun kind of person like myself. And it got to a point where after probably a week of wearing blue blocker glasses, having all the red light in my house and doing the other hacks that we've both mentioned, I didn't need to set an alarm anymore. I just, I just got up. The sun came, came through the window. And even when I had a sleep mask on, I would wake up at the same time every morning when the sun was rising. It was so bizarre. Like, and the, the sunrise obviously changes each day, but I would get up and be awake about five or 10 minutes before the sunrise. And then I would just feel the need to get up and go outside and sit in that sun for 10 minutes. And the, the, the feeling I got was just incredible. I just felt so alive and so happy and just ready to tackle the day. And, you know, at the weekends now, like, if I, if I feel, uh, you know, like sometimes I'll be like, oh, I just want to sleep in a little bit. I, I physically can't do it anymore. I just have to be yeah. up because that's where I'm yep. happy. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm exactly the same. I'm exactly the same. And there's something so beautiful about witnessing the sunrise. It's just oh, yeah. magic, absolute magic. And I was the same. I used to always have to put an alarm on. Now I don't ever put an alarm on and I wake up around the same sort of time each morning, which is just so beautiful. Okay, let's shift gears now. If you had a magic wand and could put one book in the school curriculum of every high school around the world, what book would you choose? Oh, that's a really, um, really good question. And it's, it's one I've actually been asked before and one that I typically struggle to answer. And the reason being is I don't actually read many books. I read academic studies and, and journals. I find that when a book comes out, it, it typically would have you know a lot of outdated information in it. Um, anyway, I mean, I'm talking from a textbook sort of side of things. But for me, look, I, I would I would really recommend Jack Cruz's book. I think the Paleo FX, it's called, is really good. He talks about food. He talks about light. He talks about you know how to live in an optimal environment as opposed to sort of targeting on one thing. And it's it's funny because Jack is is a very complex and, and scientific speaker, yet his book is very, very digestible and readable. And I would say that that would probably be the first book that I would give give people to read in their science classes for, for sure. Awesome. Now let's talk about how your day looks and in particular your morning routine. How do you prime yourself for the day? Do you have a specific morning routine that you do? Yeah, absolutely I do. I'll, I'll talk you guys through it because it's pretty much the same every day. I'm, I'm very much a creature of, of habits, how I um, perform the best. So I will, I will start from, from going to bed. So I, I'm quite an early, early person when it comes to turning into bed. I believe that you know we, we should get um, sleep when we feel like we need it. And if that's like me at half past nine in the evening or 11 o'clock for someone else, then so be it. So I go to bed about half nine. I have a completely 100% blackout sleep mask that I wear because I don't want any light touching my eyes while I sleep. What brand is that? It's actually my own. Oh. It's actually called Remedy. Yeah, it's something that we, we do. So it's 100% blackout, has adjustable eye cups, which move and it has a Velcro strap on the back. So it's, yeah, it's not like some of the other ones that 
still let light in up through the sort of nose side of the nose and things like that. So yeah, it's all on all on my website. I can link you guys to that as well. So that's very important too, because light while you sleep can impact REM sleep, even with your eyes closed. So if someone drives past or there's street lights outside or you know, your, your boyfriend or girlfriend gets up or husband or wife gets up in the night and switches on the bathroom lights, you know, that's going to affect your hormones as well. So I make sure that I have my sleep mask on and I wake up with the sunrise. But as I said, I don't have an alarm at the moment. It's typically about sort of half past six for us in Perth in the morning. Um, in the summer, it can be as early as 5am. And then I'll get up straight out of bed. I go and get my dog and we go um, for a walk with with the rising sun. So we're both out you know, experiencing the the amazing light and getting us hormonally ready for the day and to feel alert. And after this, I then exercise. So either I will train resistance training or I will do some cardio, sort of steady steady state, like walking. Typically, it's Monday to Friday, it will be, be gym work. And then the weekends will be more sort of longer hikes. And I want to do that because I want my skeletal muscle clocks to be entrained with my master clock. And the best time to do that is in the morning when I'm entraining my master clock with the sun. And then I have my biggest meal. So as I mentioned at the beginning, I, I'm a really weird eater. So I don't expect people to go out and buy half a cow and eat that. Um, eat whatever you want in the mornings. It's totally fine. And this is when our body and our gut is most primed to partition the macronutrients you eat effectively. So your least, what I'm saying is you're least likely to gain any fat if you eat in the morning. So there's an old adage that I always follow, which is eat breakfast like a king, lunch like a prince, and dinner like a pauper. So I will have my steak, my peppers in the morning, maybe a bit of cheese on there as well. And then I'll set about my day. So I've entrained my liver clock, I've entrained my skeletal muscle clock, and I've entrained my master clock by doing those three things before I start work. Then I start work. I do my most sort of tasks that include or involve the most thinking in the morning because then that is when I'm most alert and awake. In the afternoon, so say about midday, I would take another smaller meal, which will be smaller than my breakfast. And then I would typically answer questions and queries that are coming through from, you know, wonderful people that are wanting advice on their light environments and um, how to manage hormones and sleep and other situations. And then I will then take my final meal of or made final major meal of the day, which will be the smallest meal about two or three o'clock in the afternoon, which will typically just be maybe a salad with some chicken or something like that. Then I will go as long as it's um, not raining, which luckily in Australia isn't very often. I will then go to um, the beach. I'm very, I live very close to the beach here in, in Perth. So I go to the beach and I will watch the, the sunset. You know, I the, the, the light that's given out by the sun during that time of the day actually sends messages to your brain that darkness is coming and to start getting ready, excuse me, to secrete melatonin. I also go down with my wife, so it's quite romantic as well. So we can sit and watch that sunset together and sometimes I'll bring the dog if he's behaving himself. And then once the sun sets, we, we go back um, home, our blue light blocking glasses go on and we'll typically, you know, finalize any any work that, that's needing to be finalized and then we'll we'll probably sit chat watch a couple of tv programs maybe with our you know blue blockers on and then before bed um, one thing that's helped increase my REM and deep sleep has been eating sugar before bed but in the form of fruit and it actually um, switches off the sort of awakened gene in, in in our bodies and increases something called GABA 
when you actually have just a piece of fruit, maybe a couple of hours before bed. So I typically have a banana and I saw a 20% increase in my REM sleep scores when I tracked them um, just from doing that. Might not work for everyone, but it worked for me. And going back about two hours. So when we get back from the sunset, I have a diffuser with organic lavender oil that I leave on two to three hours before bed. And that creates a very calming, GABA-friendly environment for me to sleep in. And I also make sure my room is is cool as well. It's fine now in the winter because it is always cool. But in the summer, I will always have the air conditioning on in, in the bedroom to a specific temperature that suits my sleeping habits. And then about 20 to 30 minutes before bed, so about nine o'clock, myself and, and my um, wife will do our meditations. At the moment, we're doing a lot of manifestation about yeah what, what we want from our lives to, to happen in the next sort of two to three two to three years, really. And we're just sort of, you know, making sure that um, we have that quiet downtime, relaxing time to to do our meditations and and manifestations after dark, because that is when we're most calm. That is when our cortisol levels are are so low and and when we can really focus on what we want to manifest and what we want to to feel. So, you know, generally that's that's my routine and it it seems to work very well for, for me. And I'm sure that, you know, anyone that's listening to this can really take some of those points to implement themselves and create their own, you know, perfect, you know, 24 hours and and circadian day. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. That's very interesting about the sugar. I have read a lot of studies on that. So I want to encourage everyone to dive deeper into that if they want to. And I was going to ask you, do you do a guided meditation before bed or is it just a visualization? Yeah. So I do a guided, a guided meditation. I typically find one that resonates to me personally um, and also to my wife. And then we we typically do one to two months of that specific meditation to perfect it. And then we will find something else to then look at that maybe resonates with us at that period of our life. So we're, we're sort of creatures of change, myself and, and my wife, where we like to focus in solely on one thing for a while and really grasp it and really understand it and really, you know, fully embrace it. And then once we feel like we've got to that and we can do that at our will anytime that we want, then we'll move on to learning something else. You know, whether it be something like abundance, whether it be health, whether it be wellness, you know, anything like that that we we want to take and hone in on. So yeah, it's it's that's how I do it. I'm not not saying that's the the, the way to do it, but um it, it very much works for both myself and, and Katie. Awesome. And I just wanted to mention something else as well. On your TV, you can actually change the settings to make them more, take out some of the blue light. So on our TV, you just go into settings and you can dim the brightness and you can change it. So I want to encourage everybody to open the settings in their TVs and just change it so it's not so bright. Bring that brightness right down. Ours actually has a movie mode, which is a softer, it almost looks like a flux over the whole TV. And so That's just another little hack that you guys can do. But I would now love to throw three rapid fire questions at you. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. So what's one thing we can do today for our health? I would suggest, yeah, looking at your, taking a deep, deep look at your light environment. Wherever you go, be cognizant to what light is shining on yourself. Start tracking what light you're exposed to and then start researching it or contacting myself or Katie to talk about it. Yeah, awesome. What's one thing we can do for our wealth? So more abundance in all areas of our life. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. And I think that um, really 
treating others as you want to be treated is number one for me. I, I just want, you know, my life, I want to be kind and, and give back and, you know, really sort of embody what I want to have in people around me. I would also recommend people surround themselves with similar like-minded people, stay away from those that are, you know, the, the, the negative uh, ninnies, as we would call them in the UK, and, you know, stay around positive people 24-7. Mm, love that. And what's one thing that we can do for our love? So more love in our life. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just embracing everyone for who they are and knowing and accepting that everyone is going to be different and everyone will want to live their lives in a different way. And we need to accept that and realize that they are doing what is you know, best for them and their loved ones and to really embrace forgiveness, I think, and you know, just live your life so positively and caringly and and just giving as much as you can to to those around you. Mm, I love that. So beautiful. Andy, is there anything else that you want to share? Anything that I didn't ask you about or any last parting words of wisdom? Yeah, absolutely. Just just one final thing I'd like to to mention, as I, I know you're aware but your your community won't be, is that our main mission is obviously to, you know, help empower people to to manage their light environment. But there's, there's people in the, the developing world that, that can't help themselves. So we actually have a partnership with um, an organization called Restoring Vision. Okay, So they're a global charity that has a mission by 2020, which is coming up very soon, to get 20 million pairs of reading glasses to people in a developing world. So these people are, are like maybe working in a factory in a very poor country and are just needing to be able to have their vision to work to provide food and, and love and care for their families, um, but they can't afford to buy these um, glasses. So we have an agreement and we have done for the last year with Restoring Vision that for every pair of our blue light blocking glasses we sell. So for someone that buys them, we will gift a pair of reading glasses to Restoring Vision to then gift to someone in a developing world. And, you know, that is really key to, to mine and Katie's hearts. You know, we love helping people that can afford to help themselves. But for those that can't, you know, we really want to take that, that responsibility and help with their mission. And you can find all that about that on our website or by contacting Restoring Vision as well. So that's um, very dear to our hearts. Mm, that is so beautiful. Thank you for that. That's awesome. Well done. Now, I just wanted to thank you for your time today. It's been awesome. There's been so much wisdom and little tips and tricks that I know everyone's going to love. So thank you so much. And thank you for the beautiful work that you do in the world. And especially with Restoring Vision, that is just so beautiful. But I am a massive believer in service as well as you are. And I want to know how I personally and the listeners can serve you today. What can we do to serve you? Yeah, absolutely. I think that light environment is is and, and managing light is such a small area so far and so not well understood by people that, you know, I'd encourage that those that are going to reach out and, and want to, to discuss their light environment with, with me and, and Katie to take that information that I give you and, and try to impart that on, on at least one person that's willing to listen. And, you know, I want that way people can start to learn more and more about the dangers of, of inappropriate light management and getting their light hygiene spot on for their health and wellness. And, you know, just by spreading that to one person, they'll tell one person and so on. And we can, you know, help people live a more holistic, a more, you know, 
fulfilling and more healthy lifestyle just by making these small little changes to, to their lifestyle. Absolutely. Andy, this has been so epic. You're awesome. Thank you for this epic conversation. Thank you for the work that you do. I'm so grateful and keep going. Thank you so much. Honestly, honoured and humbled to be on your show, Melissa. And I hope that we've given uh, some food for thought for some of your community. And yeah, thanks again for for all the the beautiful work you're doing in in the world as well. Absolute pleasure. All my love. Thank you. Wasn't that awesome? Another epic conversation that needs to be had. And I was just thinking, I flew home last night from Melbourne and I was wearing my glasses the whole way. I don't even flinch anymore. But, you know, airports are one of the most blue lit places. So if you're flying, just wear the glasses. Honestly, it will make such a difference. And I don't know about you, but I got so much out of this episode, so many great reminders and inspiration to keep going and to keep wearing my glasses every single day. I have them on right now. So if you got a lot out of this episode, please subscribe and leave me a five-star review in iTunes or on your podcast app, because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. And it also means that you could be the review of the week for next week, which would be pretty awesome. And don't forget to come and follow me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini and tell me your top key takeaways from this episode. I absolutely love reading what you guys get out of the show. So please share it with me. It lights up my day. And also for everything that Andy and I mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. And that is over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 233. And you can also listen to all my other episodes there too. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest, and the happiest version of yourself, and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would benefit from this episode, pretty much everyone, please share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this information in their ears. It is so important. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.